Wallace believe in the power of talking to strangers. As Mary Margaret said, always take that opportunity to connect with a stranger. I often smile at people and even compliment them. What? As I walk down the street. What, do you, what would you say to them? It's great for everyone's mental health. Sure, you're sometimes getting a negative reaction, but most people like it. I agree. If you see a nice outfit, you should let them know. That's what I reckon. What? So, for example, give them the East Coast? Like, you give them the East Coast, hello, as well? <laughs> yep, fair enough. Yes, fair enough. So, what I just, I, I can just say, nice necklace. Um, yeah. Just raise not the today because I'm not wearing one, but any other day. Maybe someone will compliment your jumper on your way home tonight. Yeah, <laughs> let's see on if the they bus do. When you get off, let's. <laughs> and so It'll I'll, be the bus driver. <laughs> imagine that. Nice jersey. Wallace is the bus driver, <laughs> and, on, and on that, yeah, someone says human interactions—they're vital. Uh, the impersonality these days uh, and isolation of modern life could even be a cause of many of our social issues. I moved to the other end of the island so I could be part of the small town where people do say good morning. It's good for your mood. Give it a go, Wallace. Love you, mate. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Uh, you are with the panel, Mary Margaret Slack and Scott Campbell today. Down to this. Seven and a half or $7.4 million a day. It's hard to get your head around, isn't it? That's the earnings of the big four power companies. Meanwhile, we've been talking about it on the panel. Consumer NZ estimates 40,000 households have gone without power at some point in the past year because they can't afford to pay. Jake Lilly is a policy advisor of FinCap, an organisation supporting free financial mentoring services. Jake, kia ora. Kia ora. What was your reaction when you saw these numbers, Jake? Yeah, I guess um, the first thing I, I thought too is, well, people having cold showers and cold meals and cold homes. And um, I, I guess earlier this year as well, I was uh, preparing a report for the Consumer Advocacy Council and spoke to a lot of financial mentors about energy. And one said to me, lots of people say they never turn the heater on. They're too scared. Um, so there's a harsh reality behind those forty thousand, um, well, that forty thousand dollar estimate that uh, oh, sorry, forty thousand dollar, the forty thousand households that mm. um, are being estimated by consumer. Can you give us an explainer? Break it down for us a bit because it's quite opaque, isn't it? Uh, the power sector. What makes up the power bill that people are paying each month? Yeah. I guess if you start um, how the power is generated, most of our power still comes from, you know, a power uh, station. We're lucky in this country we've got a lot of renewable power, so a lot of hydro lakes, those sorts of things, more geothermal. Uh, so you pay a bit for that because they're generating the power. Then it runs down the lines and uh, you pay a fixed charge to those line companies. They're heavily regulated how much they can charge you. And then at the end it goes through a meter or another person who clipped the ticket and... Also, there's a retailer who's the person you actually ring up and sign up for the power, um, and they get a margin in there too for managing the billing and and making the power price somewhat stable for you because uh, those generators charge a variable rate every half hour, I believe it is. And every point along that way, where's the sticking point? Where's the real issue lying? For us at FinCap, I think we we focus on getting things better in the retail market because you can improve everything up the the stream from there but of course they ultimately set the price so they could just eat that up um, otherwise and not pass it through so 
we're just keen to see those retailers and, uh, you know, they're the human face or, you know, the call centre here that um, matter to people when they're, they're really having a really hard time paying for power. Okay. It is hard to escape the feeling, isn't it, that market forces possibly haven't delivered the benefits that people said that they might. Is there, what do you think is the best way to achieve competition and or a different model than what we've current, currently got? Yeah, I guess um, there's, there's lots of arguments around competition, not competition, but I, I think what we need first is just really strong rules around how we support people when they can't afford their power. It's the front line of the health system, really. Um, you know, last night my young one was sick and I had the heater on and that will help keep her out of A&E, which is really important. And, you know, I think 110,000 houses can't afford to adequately heat their home at the moment. We need some really solid rules in place like other countries have around what power companies have to do to support us when we just can't make ends meet. Scott? Yeah, and, and so what do you make of uh, the, I guess, the industry which says that the earnings need to go back into investment in the companies and, uh, and, and I'm assuming the infrastructure that keeps the power on? I think, you know, uh, probably there's something in that, of course, but still can't turn away from the reality that the ultimate point is to get this essential service to people so they're, they're warm when they need to be warm. We need the settings to be right there too, so... If there's a trade-off there to, to make sure we don't have 50 people going without power a night on prepay, all those sorts of issues, we need to do that. Because that's an issue, isn't it? The market analysts estimate that they'll invest around $4 billion in renewable generation the next five or six years. So the Energy Retailers Association, they're saying, hey, we're doing the right thing. We're putting the money where it's supposed to be going. Yeah, I guess um, it's a good point to make. There's a lot of work that goes into something we take for granted, that when we flick the light on, it's consistent and stable and safe. Um, And yet again, I think just the thing I always come back to is they've got energy retailers have a debt collection tool that's really dangerous, which is turning off someone's power. And I'm not sure they've used it consistently in a way that's fair. So we need to keep a, a strong eye on that. And that's been a big issue, hasn't it, Mary Margaret, that notion of uh, 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 of being disconnected, uh, whether or not that uh, it should actually be allowed. Mm, certainly. And I think, you know, going back to the living wage conversation that we were having earlier, it's tougher than ever at the moment. And it's been a really cold winter. I'm sure it's been really hard for many people out there. It's a concerning state of affairs, to say the least. Very, very good. Uh, thank you for uh, being with us, uh, Jake. That's Jake Lilly there, Policy Advisor at FinCap, organisation supporting free uh, financial mentoring services. Uh, Nick says, uh, Wallace, I haven't used my heater for 10 years. I can't afford to, but I always thank the bus driver. <laughs> and I regularly smile and I say hello and I compliment strangers. So, yeah, very, very good. A uh, lot of response uh, on all uh, all topics this afternoon. I do appreciate your time and your company today. Um, I'm, 43, I'm 43 years old from the UK, have been in New Zealand six years. Whoever told you that those in the UK don't say thanks to the bus drivers um, are not right. I, I know that we say hi to the bus drivers. Um, those that didn't were just dragged up and not raised, whatever uh, that means. So to this uh, topic here, uh, and it was part of our, I'll tell you the results of the SNAP panel poll in about uh, two 
minutes' time that that was. Do you support the Restore Rail protesters? Yes, no, why or why not? That uh, result in about a minute's time. Uh, So let's discuss that. Two police officers scaled a gantry above Wellington State Highway 1 in Wellington around 8.30 this morning to arrest two Restore Passenger Rail protesters who had blocked the road. It's the second protest this week occurred above the southbound lanes of State Highway 1 near Bowen Street and the group is calling for inter-regional passenger train services, free public transport, action on climate change. With us now is Jonty Coulson, who's a spokesperson for the protesters. Kia ora, Jonty. Kia ora, Wallace. Thank you for having me. What do you think you'll achieve from it? Um, well, we want to show that there is a way out of the climate crisis. Um, you you guys talked about your Pahutakawa trees being cut down, and currently I feel like that's happening on a planetary scale. I'm 22 years old. I'm a biologist. I've spent the last five years of my life studying biology, and honestly, it's felt like I've been writing one massive obituary for the planet. So... What we hope to achieve is just any action on climate change and restoring passenger rail is such an easy first step. But to what end, Jonty? People find it incredibly intrusive, incredibly disruptive. There has got to be a better way to highlight the cause than disrupting uh, people's morning commute. Do you know, Wallace, I really wish there was... And it's heartbreaking that it's come to this, isn't it? But we have tried everything else. We've written petitions, we've protested in front of Parliament, and it's just not getting the recognition that we need from the media and the public. So we are showing that there is hope that people can take action and the government will respond. We've already seen a select committee recommend uh, increased passenger rail across the country. But many of your group are on active charges, Jonty, for endangering transport creating a criminal nuisance by obstructing the road. Are you going to keep on and on with this line of protest? We're going to have to until the government takes the climate crisis seriously. All right, we've got a poll for you soon, uh, Dante, Mary Margaret. I was just thinking about when the Springbok tour happened, I know a lot of people ended up with criminal charges for protesting that mm. as well, but many would argue that history has shown them to be on the right side. So I think well, absolutely... Do you think these guys are on the right side of history? Absolutely. I think the more that we can do to get people out of cars, into public transport, onto trains... and Even though they're endangering lives by sitting in roads? Sometimes you have to break things to make things happen. Like, if if protest outside of parliament and petition is not getting you anywhere, time is of the essence during the climate crisis. I'm completely on the side of the protesters, absolutely. Scott? No. Um, I think police have got a lot lot better things to be doing with their time. Um, At the moment, the fact that we've got so much crime in the country, I'd rather than be focused on what they should be doing during the day. and then when protesters are being taken to hospital to have concrete removed, again, ED departments are too busy doing um, dealing with people who are actually sick. I'm with you, Wallace. I agree. Um, in, a, in a sense, you could be doing this in a different way. Um, I'm, I'm just asking the question, support, Scott. Well, I, I support um, bringing uh, transport, um, public transport up, uh, restoring rail, absolutely. Um, but doing the protest in this way, um, I think, is just causing more trouble than it's actually worth. Jonty. 
Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought up emergency response, Scott, because whilst we have been uh, consuming police time and resources, I think it's important to consider that last year, more than we had 378 people die on the roads. That's more than a person a day. So what we're looking at is huge amounts of police and hospital time and investment into responding to these crashes, which is also leading to $4.2 billion in spending yearly on emergency response. And restoring passenger rail will actually cut both those statistics. It will make it cheaper and easier to respond to uh, road crashes. There will be less road crashes as people will be able to take a safe, sustainable alternative. Well, do, you, do you want to respond by perhaps both to Scott and to Jonty, Mary Margaret? Well, I think it's true that the, the cost of inaction when it comes to climate change is even greater than probably the cost of, of dealing with the protests right now. For example, emissions itself, air pollution claims dozens and dozens of lives in New Zealand every year. Um, and, you know, the flood and cyclone at the beginning of the year, the price tag that has come with that, not to mention the lives lost and the heartbreak that so many communities are facing now. This is all the cost of inaction. All right, John T. Well, uh, by the way, if you've just joined us, we are talking to uh, a spokesperson for these uh, protest the protesters, uh, restore rail protesters. I asked, and it's just a snap panel poll. It's just a sort of mood of the nation, really, or mood of the panelists, rather. At this time, uh, do you support the uh, restore passenger rail protests? What they're doing? Yes, no, why, why not? Big response here. Um, here's one. I do not agree with the way that these protesters are protesting. They're contributing to, to pollution by having all that traffic idling while they're waiting. Another one here, I support them. Without the likes of these out-front people, issues like this would get relegated, unimportant, irrelevant, and the issues would not be discussed on programmes like this. So 70% of people listening support. 30% don't. And on that note, Jonty, good to have you on the programme. Kia ora. Thank you very much. And, yeah, big response regarding thanking bus drivers. Wallace, you are a complete troglodyte. <laughs> What's that? I don't know, but it sounds good. <laughs> of course you should thank what, the bus driver. What? <laughs> it's some sort of shell, isn't it? It's a, it's, a, it's, an, it's a historic shell. Fossil? Is it a fossil? And say hello to people. It's a cave? No, I don't think it's a caveman, Scott. Uh, someone will know. What is a troglodyte? Text me. Uh, of course, you should thank the bus driver and say hello to people when you're out walking. Are you actually a Kiwi? Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, I so, am so, a Kiwi. Wallace, are you, are you one of those people also who might go to um, a food court, say, um, and who would leave their tray on the table so that somebody could pick it up? Good question. That somebody's I, there to pick it up? No, that I do not. I definitely, I mean, I've worked in restaurants I've worked in as a, as a kitchen hand so I do take my plate in a food court up too uh, but saying hello to a stranger on a busy street why would I why should I what's the reason I reckon give it a go tomorrow and see if it have makes a go it. yeah all right maybe. you've got to try everything once there's so many people Wallace Oh, okay, fair point. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for the pickup. Nine away from five, the panel RNZ National. i tell you what is going to give me a pickup this year because neighbours getting together and throwing a street party. It's one of those myths you only see 
in Hollywood movies, or maybe a few attempts to reconnect after COVID lockdowns, but really a thing of times gone by. Uh, But after yesterday's story of getting kids playing on the streets, we got a text from Stephanie saying, we throw a street party every year. And I thought, my producer thought, we have to get Stephanie on. Kia ora, Stephanie. How are you? Good, thank you, Wallace. Kia ora. Where is this magical land where street parties still exist? Well, apparently the magical land is one that you have never visited. Is it Torbay? It is. It is Torbay? Torbay. (laughs) So I would like to right now extend an invitation for you to attend our street party if you would ever choose to. They are held in February, March as the weather starts to turn a little bit yucky, but um, we've managed to pretty much get away with it every year, that it's nice outside. So you are invited, and since you're on our side of the street, you will be told whether you have to bring a salad or a sweet, because that's what we do. I am honoured to be invited to a street (laughs) party in Torbay. It's a magical place. Well, is it? How do you get there first? Are you I, scariest? No, I, you can uh, stay. Uh, my producer will get the directions um, <laughs> to Torbay. I've never, don't know how to get there. Um, Scott, we were talking about this yesterday, that magical reconnection of, uh, because Auckland Council want to bring it back, this notion of reconnecting street. I just thought it was just wonderful. Well, yeah, knowing it, your neighbours is one of those things, right, from the, your childhood. I, I remember we used to know all of our neighbours up and down um, the street, and it actually wasn't until lockdown that I met some of my my closest neighbours. Um, so this is actually this brings real joy. Actually, I'd love yeah. it. Unfortunately, we're on a really busy street, so it won't work for us. But yeah, getting together sounds awesome. Yeah, it's great. We're in a cul-de-sac, so even it, better. It, yeah, it's yeah. Hang yeah. on, this is it's ticking all the boxes, isn't it? <laughs> street party in Torbay in a cul-de-sac. I'm going to be there. I'm going to get your details, Mary Margaret. <laughs> think of a street party that I've been to before ever but I vividly remember I had this wonderful dance teacher um, when I was at high school and she was telling us one time about how the New Zealand she feels that she grew up in is very different to the New Zealand now that she was raising her kids in that she couldn't Mm. sort of bring her kids onto the street and have areas for them to play and be and connect to community so I think anything we can do to aid that more is a good idea. Um, Stephanie, tell us more about how you got involved because this came organically. It didn't come as some sort of, um, uh, you know, waka kotahi and it's a or an Auckland Council. It was organic. How did it happen? Tell us. Well, we moved here about 15 years ago and um, definitely wanted to have that kind of atmosphere bringing up our kids who are now 17 and 18. And... Um, you know, they would play on the, the driveway and stuff like that, but I'd always kind of keep an eye out. But in actual fact, there was really no need because all of our neighbours all wave and say hello yeah. as they're coming up and down the street, even if we don't know them super well. OK, OK. No one's in each other's pockets, but we, you know, we respect each other's space. And so we had a lovely, old-fashioned little muffin basket from the neighbours across the street when we first moved in and that's when they said you know we have a a street barbecue and we'd love for you guys to come and it would be a great opportunity for you to get to know the rest of the neighbours and all that sort of thing and it's been awesome because as I say for 15 years we I think we've only missed 
twice for, you know, whatever reason. Um, and even during COVID, we kind of got a little bit fed up with not ever seeing any of our other neighbours and just wanting to know because, you know, it's it's a mixed street. There are really old people mm. here and really young people. So we just wanted to make sure everybody was okay as well. So we had our two metres apart when we were allowed to. And, right. um we had people kind of walking down the centre of the street going, oh, you're not allowed to do that. But we actually <laughs> were because we were far enough away. But it was lovely yeah. to still see that everybody was okay and that life goes on. Um, and so we still do it. And I can honestly say that my kids who are, as I say, the 17 and 18, they look forward to the old-fashioned recipes you know, somebody's no. salad that the nana used to make and now it comes to our street party or the desserts that you just don't get that decadence anymore. And, yeah, it's really cool. They, they never mind to come. They might not come for the whole the whole time, but, uh, yeah. I'm starting great. to get excited about my Torbay Street party, I'm Stephanie. Uh, Rowan says, Dacre Street, Linwood, uh, Ototahi used to have the meanest street parties. There, there's something magical about it, isn't there? You, I know you haven't had one, Mira, but there's something that it's about that social connectedness. Mm, you know, there's yes. nothing better than getting getting by, alongside your neighbours and having that chat. Even better if the bunting's up and you know, the coolio's on the deck, you know, and just yeah. having a good time. I think as well it's it's really special for your 17 and 18-year-old that they get to make friends outside of their own age group. I think it's a brilliant thing to have friends across all ages and a street party, getting to know your neighbourhood. It's probably one yeah. of the best ways to do that, really. What about yeah. your area, Scott? I mean, you live in the, uh, such a beautiful part of the country, but your particular... Is it close? Is it neighbourly, if you like? Uh, the the suburb is, yeah, the suburb yeah, really yeah. is neighbourly. Um, and normally, and we connect around probably the football club or yeah. a few of the other clubs around here. Um uh, and so, yeah, it is, I think, more of a connection than what probably pre-COVID um, I had in other areas. Um, Stephanie, what happens with uh, new people who move into the area? Are they mm. sort of initiated into the group? Is, is Wallace going to get an initiation when he comes and sees <laughs> Well, he doesn't actually live on our street, but we do have things like um, people who used to live here. Some of the older people have gone into villages or into care or whatever, and they're still invited and they still come. So when new people come, um, it's not just, you know, waving on the street. We've got our neighbourhood watch that will kind of go, okay, well, the house is obviously sold because we know what happens with the people who have left. Stephanie, we're out of time. I'll continue the conversation when I see you at the street party (laughs) in Torbay. Good on you. I'm Wallace Chapman, Mer Margaret, Scott, kia ora to you both. I'm Wallace Chapman. Checkpoint is next.